Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of Effie Church, and this is our podcast. All right, well, it is week number four of Taking Ground. I think I told somebody week number three earlier, but it is week number four of this series. How many of you have been enjoying this series so far? It's been really, really good. Um, We are going to get to that in just a minute. I do have one announcement for you, though, before I introduce our guest speaker today. Uh, I want to mention, because we're in this evangelism mode, right? We've been talking about that so much. We handed out 3,200 flyers this week at the Parade Outreach. Now, that's just in Hanover. I don't even have the number for the ones we handed out in Gettysburg as well, but it was a lot. So we're in this mode, right? I want to mention, so that you're looking ahead, uh, we have a, a Mission SOS missions trip coming up next year. I know it seems, June seems far away. It is in June 2023. But when you're planning a big trip like this, it's really not that far away. You want to start raising money and getting those passports ready and all of that. So we are going to the, the Democratic Republic of the Congo with Mission SOS next June. I would love to get you all the information. That's all the details I'm going to throw at you today, but go to effie.church slash events. Scroll the whole way down to the bottom. You'll see this trip, and you can click I am interested, okay? That will get the process started. We'll get you all the info that you need. We're going to start having team meetings and all of that, hopefully even before the end of the year. So make sure you get on that list if you want more information about that. These are life-changing trips, guys. They are amazing trips. The, the ministry that you will do not only will change the Congo, the, it's Kolwezi is the city we're going to, uh, not only will change that city, but it will change you. I promise you. They are life-changing. So sign up, get all the info that you need for that. Yeah, number four of Taking Ground. Now, we have a guest speaker for you today. Uh, he comes from, Pastor Jason comes from a church that you might not even know the name of, but has been absolutely significant in my life. Freedom Life Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, just down the road. But uh, it's, it's where my dad actually converted from being an Amishman to being a Pentecostal, <laughs> speaking in tongues, Bible-thumping believer. Uh, and so it's it just had a, a crazy impact on my life. It's actually where I attended till. I was five years old, and my dad moved us out here as a family to start this church. And so I I actually have memories of climbing on the steps of what is not now the sanctuary anymore, but (laughs) used to be the sanctuary. Um, Just an amazing church. Pastor Sam and Michelle Masteller have been pastoring it for the past 20 years. And a couple years ago, I reached out to Sam, and I, I really, at the time, I felt like I needed a pastor. I needed somebody to go to with advice, somebody ahead of me in this, and I reached out to Sam, and he has absolutely been that for us uh, for the past couple of years. We appreciate them so much. They pour into us, they invite us out to events, and we just appreciate them and their team so much. So I have a couple of opportunities for you to hear from them, their, their whole team, over the next couple of months while I'll be on maternity leave towards the end of the year and all of that. And so Pastor Sam is coming out, I believe the first Sunday in December, 
and I have a couple of guys from his team as well that are coming. So I'm really excited for you to connect with them, to hear from them. Uh, pastor Jason is the main campus pastor uh, for that organization. Freedom Life has three campuses right now. Uh, and so you're going to hear from a couple of them over the next couple of months. So just, would you just get ready to receive? Get your notebooks out. Get ready. Yeah? All right. Pastor Jason Ball is here with us this morning. Give him a Freedom Valley welcome. All right. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. It is good to be with you guys here at Freedom Valley. I'm going to say the name as often as I can so that way I don't mess up and say Freedom Life. If I do, please forgive me. Old habits die hard. But uh, man, it's so good to be with you guys here today. And I know here at the, at the beginning of the message, like you met me approximately 15 seconds ago, but 15 seconds into our friendship, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor could you please, one more time, could we honor your pastors, pastors Candace and Aaron Pringle. They do such an amazing job at leading this church. You see, here's one thing that, that I know about your pastors is that they love you guys, that they care for you, that, you know what, you are what keeps them up at night. In a few, months, a few weeks, it'll be something else that keeps you guys up at night. But for now, it is you guys that keep them up at night. They are celebrating the winds of life alongside of you. But they're also just feeling the weight of the difficulties that you walk through in life as well. You see, this church isn't something that should be taken for granted. What you have here is special. This is a vibrant, passionate, and selfless church. That isn't just a slogan. That's not just fancy words, but that is the DNA. That is who you are as a church, and that is who your pastors are as they lead the charge in this. And so I just want to encourage you again, what you have here is special. Don't take it for granted. Don't become overly familiar with it, because if you were to leave here and go to many other churches across this nation, you would not be able to find the same kind of home like you have here at Freedom Valley. So I just want to encourage you, this month, the month of October, that's when everybody is supposed to be honoring their pastors. But don't just make it an October thing. Make it a year-round thing where you are honoring your leaders and your pastors. So come on, one more time. Can we honor your amazing pastors here today? And it's funny, uh, Pastor Candace, you were talking about how Freedom Life has played a big role in your life, and Freedom Valley has actually played a big role in my life as well. You see, a few years ago, when I had, I say a few years ago, it was like 10 years ago, oh. Like 10 years ago, when I had graduated college, uh, I was a youth pastor. I was struggling to find my identity as a leader. I was just kind of in this difficult place. And uh, I got connected with your father, uh, Jerry Stoltzfus, and he mentioned that you were hosting a, uh, a youth pastor's, um, like a roundtable here at this church once a month just to help youth pastors grow into uh, you know, who God has called them to be. And so I jumped in. 
And uh, man, it played such a huge part in my life because the, the man who was running that, um, that coaching group, he actually was on staff at Freedom Life Church. And so as I came down here once a month and grew as a youth pastor, I was also growing in a relationship with this guy who was gonna become my mentor uh, for a period of time in ministry. And so I got connected with Freedom Life through Freedom Valley, and uh, eight years later, I am now a campus pastor at, uh, at Freedom Life Church, and so I'm so thankful for those uh, monthly trips down here to Freedom Valley and the part that you guys have played in my story as well. And so that feels like a good introduction. Let's go ahead, let's pray, and let's jump into the word here today. Sound good? All right, come on, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. God, we thank you for this opportunity to open up your word and, and to just hear from you. God, I pray that, um, that I would move out of the way so that way your Holy Spirit could speak to us here today. And God, I pray for life change to happen. We pray it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Well, hey, we are in this series called Taking Ground. And, uh, and honestly, I've been joining in this series from afar. I've been watching on Facebook and YouTube and just kind of getting the heartbeat for uh, where you guys are going with this series. And, uh, and I got sucked in. Like, I love this series. It's so good. And I'd encourage you, if this is your home church, I would encourage you, if you missed any of the previous messages in this series, to go back and to watch them. Because as Pastor Candace shared the messages, man, you could hear the heart of your leader come through so clearly in these messages as she is excited about and passionate about reaching this community here in Gettysburg. Man, we're excited about taking ground for the kingdom of God. She was just talking about a missions trip that's coming up in June so that way you can continue to take ground and see the kingdom of God advance. So again, if you missed out on any of those first few messages, go back and check them out and I count it an honor to be here today to share this message that God's given me as we continue on talking about taking ground for the kingdom of God. And so when I hear that, that title, that series, Taking Ground, uh, immediately kind of the way my brain is wired, I immediately go to, to strategy. All right, how are we going to how are we going to see this happen? Like, I, I enjoy kind of thinking through game plans for how to make things happen. And I think it started uh, with my love for sports. Like, I, I grew up playing sports, and my favorite sports play is basketball. And thankfully, um, although I wasn't very good in, in high school at playing basketball, thankfully, there weren't very many other good people in my high school at playing basketball. And so I got to play varsity basketball junior and senior year. And um, one of the things that I really enjoyed about sports and about basketball isn't just like the, the physical part, but actually the, the mental and the strategic part of playing sports as well. I enjoyed sitting in a classroom with my teammates and breaking down the film, looking at the upcoming opponent and seeing, all right, like what are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? What are the tendencies of some of the players? And then creating a game plan specific for that team that we were about to play. You see, almost as fun as executing the game plan, I enjoyed creating the game plan as well. And so today, as we talk about taking ground, I want to look at a game plan of how we do that. How do we take ground? 
And so I want to kind of start off by, by setting the stage, maybe explaining the game that we're in here a bit. And really, uh, a more biblical phrase to use would be the war that we're in, because we are in a spiritual war. John chapter 10, verse 10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, and I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So here's the game film. Here's the breakdown of our competition. We have an enemy. We have an opponent. He's called the thief, and his mission, his his goal is to steal, to kill, and destroy. His desire is that he can rob you of what God has for you. His desire is to take you out of the picture to destroy the plans and the purposes that God has placed on your life. This is who we're up against. And something that that I'm cautious of in my life, and and it's something that I, I really think about more right around this time of year. As we, you know, as we look out, we see like the Halloween decorations and all that stuff going on. I'm cautious to kind of minimizing our enemy to some cartoonish, almost make-believe character where we see the devil or we see Satan as this red guy with horns and a pitchfork, and and we kind of almost downplay him to like a unicorn or Casper the Friendly Ghost where we recognize that, yes, he's kind of the antagonist in the story of life. All the bad things in this world kind of come from him, but he's just kind of like, we don't see him, so he's just kind of out there doing his thing, and we kind of downplay play who our enemy in life is. But the truth is that stealing, killing, and destroying, they are a big deal. Like, that's his game plan for our life, and I believe that it's one of his tactics to lull us into a false sense of security or comfort around him so that way he can rob us blind. So that's, the, that's kind of the game plan of our enemy, of our opponent, but what's Jesus' game plan for our life? It says that that they, who's they? It's, it's you and me. That, that they would be able to have life and have it to the full. And just like the enemy wants to lull us into a false sense of security and comfort around him, he also wants to paint a negative picture of God. You see, he wants us to believe that God is some cosmic killjoy in life, where he's just up in heaven and he's watching us, waiting for us to make a mistake and then come down as some cruel father and and punish us and make our life miserable because we were not perfect in life. That's how the enemy tries to paint a picture of our loving heavenly father. But the truth about God is that God is loving. God is full of grace and mercy and forgiveness. He cares about you. He desires to walk through life with you. He wants to be your friend. And at the same time, he is just. He rules with justice, and and so he's not some vending machine that we go to, and whenever we need something in life, we just put in a dollar and then walk out with whatever we want. Like, that's not who God is. So to paint a, a, a different picture, God is not vindictive. God is not hateful. He's not a cruel judge who rules over us, but he is a God who desires that we have life, have it more abundantly, have life to the full. He wants us to enjoy life here on earth. That's why he gave us his word, the Bible. It sets parameters for our life. It's like guide rails in life because God knows, God knows us best. He created us. 
And so he recognizes and he sees that left to our own devices, what happens is we chase every fleeting feeling down the dark alleys of life and it leads to a place of heartache and pain. And God says, I don't want that for your life, so here is my word. It's an instruction manual, but more than that, it's a love letter because I want you to live a fulfilled life here on earth. And so he gives us his word as parameters in order to be able to live the kind of life that he has for us. And so this is all kind of the setup for where we want to go today. I want us to recognize that we are in a war, that we're in a competition, that we're in a game here, and and it's a game or it's a competition between good and evil, between God and Satan, and it's not something that we just kind of sit back and kind of go through life and say, all right, like I hope I don't get involved I hope that it doesn't like kind of backfire on me. Like I'm just gonna kind of go through life and and see how this all plays out and hope that the good guy wins in the end. No, there's actually a role that we play in the game plan as well. And so as we talk about these three different ideas and the three roles that we can play in the game plan, I wanna be really uh, sure, I wanna be clearly communicating the fact that this isn't like a a three-step process to becoming the perfect Christian. Like, I'm not saying that if you just do these three things, then, then, then difficulty will leave your life. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I am saying that as we do these three things that I'm about to talk about, we will draw closer to God and we will be able to follow him more closely and allow him to be able to lead us through life and to be able to fulfill the game plan that God has placed on our lives. And so here are the three things that I wanna encourage us with here today. Here's what we need to do in the game plan. As we're talking about taking ground, here's what we can do. Can prepare ourselves, encourage ourselves, and plant ourselves. Now, those three things, as I just share them, they're super vague. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna kind of unpack each of those, and I wanna do that by looking at one of the greatest men to walk this earth not named Jesus. I wanna look at the life of David, David was a, he's a king, he's a warrior, he's a musician, he's a shepherd, he's a man of many talents and trades. But I think the greatest title that David owns is the fact that, that God said about David that David was a man after God's own heart. And so if God says that about a man, I think there's some things that we can learn from the life of David. Was David perfect? No, but that doesn't mean that we cancel him and don't pay attention to his story anymore. We learn from the good things and we, uh, we recognize the, uh, the faults in his life as well. And so the first thing that we have to do is we have to prepare ourselves. You have to prepare yourself. How many of you guys know the story of David and Goliath? This isn't a trick question. I'm not gonna ask you to come up here and reenact it. Like if you, if you guys have heard the story of David and Goliath before, go ahead, raise your hand. That's the David that we're talking about here this morning. I'm gonna give you kind of the, the spark notes version of the story. So there's a, a war that's going on between the, the Philistines and the Israelites. And, um, and the Philistines, they have a guy in their army who is an actual, literal giant. And so instead of, Um, instead of having like a a full-on war, what they do is they send Goliath out to the battlegrounds and and he taunts the Israelite army and basically he's saying, hey, listen, let's skip this whole war thing. Let's just have a fight. Me versus your best warrior. If I win, then we'll rule over you. 
and if you win, we will, or, and if you win, you will rule over us. And it puts the Israelite army into a panic. Like they are just hiding away in their tents. They're so scared of fighting this giant Goliath. So while the whole Israelite army is hiding out in their tents, in walks a shepherd boy, emphasis on boy. He's a young, uh, young man, David. He's a shepherd, and, uh, and he, he is the first Uber Eats. Like, all his job is in this mission is to bring food to his brothers. But when he, when he rolls in the scene, he sees what's going on. He, he hears the taunts of this giant, and he's kind of looking around at this army that's hiding away in their tents, and he's like, guys, what are you doing? Like, are you guys all so weak and fearful that you won't go out and fight this giant? Do you not recognize that this is more than just a physical, but this is a spiritual war as well? And we have God of heaven's armies on our side. And so he's, he's kind of like, what's happening? Like, all right, fine, me, a young boy, I'll go slay this giant, fine, whatever. And so he goes to the king, King Saul, and, uh, and he tells Saul, hey, listen, I'm going to go fight. And I don't know what Saul's thinking. Like, who sends a 13-year-old boy out into the, like, the battlefields to go fight a giant? But he's just kind of looking around at his army. He's like, nobody else is going to do it. So, all right, good luck, bud. And, uh, and so he's like, wait, before you go, here, come over to my tent, and, and I have the best armor in the land. I'm going to put it on you and uh, hope for the best. And so he, uh, he sets David up. And I love, this is what we're going to kind of camp out on here for a minute, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, I love David's response after putting on the king's armor. He says this, I cannot go in these, he said, to, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off and he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in a pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in hand, he approached the Philistine. You see, I think too many times in life, we put on somebody else's armor. You see, we, we try to fit ourselves into something that God created for somebody else because we think it looks good on them. And we say things in life like, man, if I only had the, the charisma of this person, if only I could sing like Pastor Aaron, if only I could, you know, if only I could have grown up in, in that family as opposed to my family, if only I had the wealth of those people over there, then I would be able to fulfill the call that God has placed on my life. Then I'd be able to live a full life. But instead, we need to recognize, like David did, that that, that armor isn't for us. That God has uniquely created me to be me. And he's given me gifts, talents, and abilities to slay the giants in my life, not in yours. And so it, it isn't about measuring ourselves up against other people, but instead it's about walking into the destiny that God has for you. Right. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God doesn't create a one-size-fits-all, but instead he creates one-of-a-kind masterpieces, and that's how he views you and me here today. David recognized that this armor, it wasn't for him, that, that he can't do this, so he, he takes it off and he walks in what God has gifted him in. So he picks up his sling, he puts a couple stones in his fanny pack, and he walks out onto that battlefield, knowing, again, that this isn't just a battle. Uh, it's not just a physical battle, but it's a spiritual battle as well. And so, Goliath, you might look the part. 
in your armor and your weapons of war, but you have grossly underestimated the size of my God who is fighting for me, and so I know that he will give me victory. It might not, it might not make sense in the natural, but I serve a God who operates in the supernatural. And so he pegs the, the giant in the head with this rock. And this is the part that we don't talk about in Sunday school very often. Like he runs over, he steals the sword of Goliath, chops off Goliath's head, and is just like, here we go, we won the war. Like it's a pretty gruesome story and it's pretty awesome. And so that's like, that's the David that we're talking about, but more importantly, that's the God that we're talking about here today. And so maybe you've been going through life Living life as it's like a big Halloween costume party where you're putting on costumes or in this context, you're putting on armor that you think that other people want you to look like or act like. And so you're constantly, you're like a chameleon changing with the, the surroundings. You're trying to, to gain the approval of maybe a parent or a boss or a coworker or a friend. But instead we, instead of, instead of moving and operating in what God has called us to and what, what God has gifted us in. We're trying to be like everybody else around us instead of being like David and taking a step back and recognizing that God has created me. He's given me gifts, talents, and abilities. And so God, how do you want me to use those in order to take ground, in order to advance your kingdom? God, your will be done, not mine. And so... As we, as we move on, I want us to recognize that, that this is a spiritual war that's raging around us, that there is a thief who wants to steal, kill, and destroy, and that he will do everything in his power to have you trying on everybody else's armor so that way you're not able to walk into the destiny that God has for you. If you want to live a, a full and abundant life, you need to prepare yourself by using what God has blessed you with and fight your battles. So we're not doing the costume party anymore. Stop trying on other people's armor that you think that they want you to wear, but instead be the man or the woman that God has created you to be. Sound good? Yes. All right, perfect. Come on, let's move on. Let's go to the second one. This is the other thing that we need to do. You need to encourage yourself. Where are my people at who talk to themselves? Come on, where are you at? Where are you at? All right, everybody who doesn't have their hand raised, go ahead and look around this room. You're not alone. We all do it. So you don't have to be embarrassed. It's cool. Like, we all talk to ourselves. And so it's not a question of whether or not you talk to yourself. It's a, it's a question of what you're saying. What are you saying to yourself? Because oftentimes what can happen is we get in our own head and we start speaking negativity, fear, and doubt. So again, it's not a question of if you're speaking to yourself, but what you're speaking to yourself. We can lose the battle real quick when we start thinking in our own strength, in our own power, in our own abilities. Proverbs 18.21 tells us that the power of life and death is in the tongue. Again, looking at the life of David, you would think that after he, after he defeats this giant, he single-handedly wins a war for the nation of Israel. You would think that his life is paved by, with gold from here on out. Like everywhere he goes, they roll out the red carpet for him. No matter what restaurant he eats in, like the owner's paying for him. Like you would think that that's the life that he lives from this point forward. But the truth is that the king, King Saul, he gets jealous of David. 
So he puts a hit out on his life. He tries to kill David because of the jealousy within Saul. And so David goes on the run for his life. He's running from town to town. He's going in deserts and caves to try to hide out to preserve his life. And while he's going around from town to town, as he's, as he's kind of like on the run for his life, he kind of gets like a posse around him. Some other misfits who are like, hey, you know what? We'll roll with you. Like, we will have you as our leader, and we will help, and we will be loyal to you. And so he kind of gets this, this community around him, if you will, and they're on the run together. And while they're on the run, uh, we, we can read about a time where the men of that community, if you will, they, they leave, and, and while they're gone, another group comes in and raids their town. Like, they're marching out the, the women and children as slaves. They take all of their possessions and burn the rest of the ground. And so when David and his, and his men, when they come back to where their town is supposed to be, they see nothing. And, and the Bible says that, that David and his men, they weep until they couldn't weep anymore. And it's in this lowest moment of their lives that we can read about the reactions and the actions that, that we can take when, when life is going wrong. And the first response that we see is in the life of David's men. We see that, that they just get angry and they wanna take revenge and they don't know who to take it out on so obviously the leader is the guy that they're gonna go to. So they're like, you know what? I don't know what's going on so we just have to kill David. They're, they're chasing their emotions. They're following their feelings and so they just make an illogical decision. You know what? We have to kill David. Now, David, on the other hand, we see his response in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. It says this, Further, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. For all of them were embittered, each man for his sons and daughters. But David felt strengthened and encouraged in the Lord his God. You see, in, in the lowest moment of David's life, I mean, he's got... His, uh, his family has been marched out as slaves. All of his possessions are gone. He has a king of a nation who's trying to kill him, and he's constantly on the run from this king. And now those men who said that they were going to be loyal to him have now turned on him and are speaking of stoning him to death. In that moment, in his greatest moment of need, he didn't follow his feelings he didn't get embittered like the rest of the men, but instead he found his strength and he encouraged himself in the Lord. So my question for us, when, when difficulties happen in life, do you follow your feelings or do you fall on your knees and ask God to help lead you and guide you in life? Do you encourage yourself in the Lord or do you host a pity party for one and, and just get embittered and angry about life? You see, I've done both. In all honesty, like I've had the pity party and I've encouraged myself in the Lord. And as I, as I look at my life and as I speak up here from experience, from kind of playing both sides of that coin, one of those options leads to a fulfilled life, having life to the full, having the abundant life. While the other option, the pity party, what that does is it simply leaves the door open for the thief to come in to continue to steal to continue to kill and to continue to destroy. When faced with difficulties, we have the opportunity and we have the ability to choose. 
we have the opportunity to choose to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Now, just because you're here at church, maybe you might consider yourself a good person. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus, maybe not yet. But I wanna let you know, no matter where you are, it doesn't make you immune from difficulty in life. Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse 33, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. You see, we don't have the wisdom. We don't have the strength, as, as Pastor Isaiah was saying earlier. Like, we don't have the strength. We don't have the ability to encourage ourselves in who we are. We encourage ourselves in the Lord, knowing that he's the only one who has overcome the world, and he will lead us, and he will guide us in the seasons of life. And just like he did with David, because as we continue to read that story out in 1 Samuel chapter 30, we see that David and his men, David, he encourages himself, he strengthens himself in the Lord, and then he, he kind of gets back with the men who are still angry at him, who are still speaking of killing him, and he rallies the troops, and they go back and they recapture everything that rightfully belonged to them because the Lord led them to victory. And that takes us to our, our final point that I want to look at through the life of David as we recognize the role that we play in the game plan of taking ground Here's what we need to do. You need to plant yourself. A few years ago, uh, I dug up some, some butterfly bushes on my property at my house, and I, I replanted them. I transplanted them somewhere else. And, and the next year, when they, when they grew again, I realized that the, the flower had slightly changed color, and it's because I had planted them in different soil. And see, the soil that you plant yourself in matters. The relationships that you surround yourself with, they matter. You were created to be a relational being. Like you can't do life alone. You need other people around you who are going to encourage you, to motivate you forward in the call that God has for your life. In our key verse for today, as we, we talk about the, the thief, it's a, it's, a, it's a name that, that God gives the enemy, but another name in the Bible for our enemy is a lion. And if you've, uh, actually I'll read it right here, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. If you've ever watched National Geographic or the Discovery Channel or Animal Planet, any one of those, and you've seen a lion hunt, a lion will hunt by, by stalking uh, its prey, by looking at the herd and picking out the, the weak and the isolated. Maybe it's, maybe it's hurt and it can't keep up with the herd. Maybe it's young and it's just kind of falling behind as the, as the pack moves forward. And so the lion, it stalks out the prey and it looks for the weak link that is isolated from the rest. And that's when the enemy pounces. That is when it looks to devour. See, as David gets older, eventually he becomes the king of Israel. And he kind of upgrades those people who he surrounds himself with. It's no longer those men who, uh, at the first difficulty in life, turn on him and try to kill him. But instead, he gets a group of men around him who encourage him, who want what's very, uh, what's very best for David and his life. 
And we see it to the extent that they are willing in the midst of a battle to go behind enemy lines at the risk of their own life just to get King David a cup of water. So he has good friends in his life. They care for David. They want to see him succeed in all that he does. And so my question for you here today is what about you? What do your friends look like? What kind of soil have you planted yourself in? Are they people who who care about you, who want you to succeed in all that God has called you to? Or do they question, like, why would you give up your Sunday morning? Like that one morning that you can sleep in and then veg out and watch the, the Steelers lose to the Eagles. Come on, somebody. That'll preach right there. Honestly, I was talking with James. James is here hanging out with me today. We were talking on the way in. We're like, are we in Steelers country? Are we in Eagles country? Are we in Ravens country? Like, where are we? It's like, and I saw a couple Eagles hats coming in, so I know I'm at home. Uh, but, but, but in all seriousness, though, like, what are your friends saying? Do they, do they mock you? Do they ridicule you for doing this whole Jesus thing with your life? Do they, do they stick around just to get something from you? Or do they want what's best for you? We need friendships. We need relationships in our lives. But not just any friendship, not just any relationship. We need the right friendships, the right relationships in our life. It's important that you, that you plant yourself in good relationships. It's important that you plant yourself in the church. See, are, are, are these people perfect? No. But do they want God's very best for you? Do they want to see you to be able to move forward in all that God has called you to? Absolutely. And so let's join together. Let's be planted in the house of God. Let's use those gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given you in order to be able to serve other people. That we don't just show up to church and start consuming, but we start contributing as well. See, the Bible talks about how the church is the body of Christ that we all have a role to play. And it's not just to to serve you and to serve your needs, but to be able to use the gifts and the talents, the abilities that God has given you to be able to serve others as well. It takes all of us working together in order to be able to take ground from the enemy and advance the kingdom of God. We all have a part to play. Jesus, he's not just coming back for good people who are kind to others. No, he's coming back for his church, the body of Christ. Jesus doesn't promise eternal life in heaven with him just to to people who are kind and compassionate. No, he promises eternal life to those who believe in him and put their faith, hope, and trust in him. And so if you want to live a, a fulfilling life, an abundant life here on earth, you need to be a part of something that is bigger than yourself, and it's called the church. Your relationships in life, they matter. One of my favorite verses in all of scriptures is found in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We need relationships in our lives. We need to be planted in the church in order to grow and to flourish into who God has called us to be. Would you stand with me as we conclude here today? You see, it's, it's not just enough to recognize that we're in a spiritual war. It's not just enough to recognize that God has a game plan and he, and he shares it with us, that the, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but that he has come that we may have life 
and have it to the full. That's an important part, is recognizing it. But we also have to execute the game plan as well. You see, we're in a spiritual war. And if we wanna set ourselves up well for victory in God, we can follow the example that David left for us as we prepare ourselves, as we encourage ourselves, and as we plant ourselves. Was David perfect? No. He made lots of mistakes. And guess what? So will you. But that's okay. There is grace, there is mercy, there is forgiveness readily available to you. So when we mess up, when we make mistakes, it's not an excuse to throw in the towel and give up and just say, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know what's going on with my life. And so you just walk away from what God has for you. No, it means that we need to keep fighting, that we draw closer to God because we recognize that this isn't a competition that we can win on our own strength because there's only one who can say, take heart for I have overcome the world. And so as we align ourselves with him, we, we receive our victory through Christ alone. So for all those who are in Christ Jesus, for all those who believe in him, for all those who have a relationship with him, we can take heart in knowing that there's victory in the end. Like we might not see it now in the natural, but we can hold on to the promises of God's word that are yes and amen, and we can walk in the victory that he has for us because we recognize that Jesus is the only one who defeated death, hell, and the grave, and he rose again so that way we could have victory and that we could have life. So as we close here today, I wanna to encourage you, go ahead and just bow your head and close your eyes. I wanna give you the opportunity to respond to this message here today because maybe you're here and you, you never committed to follow Jesus. You've been walking through this life and you're just kind of trying to do it all in your own strength, in your own ability, and you're recognizing that maybe this difficult life that I'm walking is because I haven't fully surrendered to the only one who can give me victory in life. The Bible says that that the greatest decision that you could possibly make is to commit to follow Jesus, to have a relationship with your creator, God in heaven. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Like we're, we're all in this together. We've all sinned, we've all messed up, we've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. And I think sometimes we can kind of play that off, like it's no big deal. Like it's all right, yeah, we all sin. Sin is just, you know, I did something bad, but I'll do better next time. And we kind of play it off like it's not that big of a deal. But the Bible also says that the, that the wages or the price of our sin is death, that we deserve death because of falling short of God's glorious standard. So there is a price to pay for our sins. But thankfully, God loved us so much that he sent his one and his only son, Jesus, to, to live a life here on earth that was perfect. It gave us an example of how we're to live our lives. But he didn't just live and then go back into heaven quietly and just kind of, all right, live off of that example. He actually died a criminal's death on the cross. He paid the price for our sins with his blood so that way we could have forgiveness of our sins not on our own strength, not on our own ability, but because of what he has done for us. So that price that needed to be paid for our sins, it's been paid. And all Jesus asks of us is that we believe in our heart, 
and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and he is faithful to forgive us of our sins and to walk in a relationship with us. And so if you're here today, again, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and you would like to make that decision to commit to following Jesus, it's the first and it's the greatest decision that you can make in this spiritual war that we've been talking about, to align yourself with the victor. And so if that's you and you wanna make that decision here today, I'm just gonna simply ask that you raise your hand. It's not to embarrass you. It's not to call you out but I wanna know who I'm praying with here today. So if that's you, would you go ahead and raise your hand? Amen, amen, I see those hands. It's the greatest decision that you could possibly make with your life. I know that all of heaven is rejoicing right now in this moment, and so come on church, can we celebrate with those who are making that decision right here, right now? You're not in this alone, you're planted in the house of God. You've got people all around this room who want to walk through this journey with you. Before we move forward, can we all just pray this prayer together as a church family. Would you just repeat this prayer after me? Just say, dear Jesus, today I choose to follow you. Forgive me my past. Wash me and make me new. Today, I'm a child of God, forgiven and free. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, church, one more time. Please celebrate with those who made that decision. And before I have Pastor Candace come up and close out the service, I wanna pray for, for those of you who are here and maybe you're a, you're a committed follower of Jesus, but you've just been wrestling in this past season. Maybe you've been trying on other people's armor. Maybe you felt discouraged. Maybe you've been having a pity party for your life. Like maybe, I don't know where you're at, but if you've just been feeling the, the weight of the attacks of the enemy and today you wanna walk in the freedom that God has for you, I wanna pray for you here today. Sound good? All right, come on, let me pray for you. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much for this amazing church. God, I thank you for those who are, are planted, who are flourishing. God, I pray that you would just continue to do a work in them. Lord, I pray that when difficulties come, Lord, that they would not run to themselves and their own strengths and abilities, but Heavenly Father, that they would encourage themselves in you, the one who has conquered death, hell, and the grave, the one who victory rests in. God, I pray for those who've been trying on other people's armor, that they've just been trying to, to please those people around them. God, I pray that they wouldn't look to validation from other people, but Heavenly Father, that they would look to you, the creator of life, to find their identity in you. God, I pray that they would be able to experience freedom here today. We pray it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links. 